The Science of Fasting Now listen to this. It is said that fasting is the first principle of medicine. And I wonder, is it why Paracelsus said that fasting is the greatest remedy and is the physician within? Now I will tell you that Paracelsus is one of the greatest physicians that ever lived, known as the father of toxicology, way back in the 16th century. Come on, welcome to my lovely audience to the Hope Ignites Healing Podcast with your host, Dr. Lillian Kalisa, a space we speak everything holistic health and healing. And just to quickly bring you up to speed, we are in the season where we're speaking clean out. That is, we're cleaning out our minds, our bodies, and our spaces for holistic health and healing. And this week, we're speaking the science of fasting, taking off from where we started on the art of fasting in the last episode. This time, I especially find it intriguing what fasting has to do with mind health. Join me as we find out together. Now, limited documented research exists particularly about fasting and brain health. However, there are some studies here and there surrounding religious fasting that show that some worth mentioning results come from fasting and brain function during aging, as well as some mental health conditions. For now, I want us to start at brain function during aging. Here are the usual stories that your girl has prepared for you, but this time I must tell you it is science. So buckle up, hold on, and trust me to take you through this journey to the end. Now, particularly what we call intermittent fasting, and I'll explain this later, what this means, is reported to improve certain aspects of brain function as the body ages. For example, in mild cognitive impairment, which might be a new term to you, but I'll tell you, this is the stage where our memory declines with aging. That's just before getting into the diseased one called dementia. That is more common. So mild cognitive impairment is the pre-dementia state that is reversible, unlike dementia, which is irreversible. So a scientific study was done involving three sets of individuals that were 60 years and above having this mild cognitive impairment. And these were followed up and assessed for over three years. So the first group underwent intermittent fasting every twice a week from sunrise to sunset as part of a religious practice. And the second group had less often than the first one where they did maybe once a week or every other week, but some minimal pattern of, in, of intermittent fasting. And the third group did no fasting at all for the three years. Listen to the results. Almost 25% of people, that is quarter of the regularly fasting group, had no cognitive impairment by the end of the three years. Isn't that amazing? And listen, the ones that occasionally fasted, remember they did either once a week or every other week, had 14% reduction in cognitive impairment. They didn't have at all 14%. And the ones that didn't fast at all, the value was less than 4% of them having cleared uh, mild cognitive impairment. Now listen, in addition to those that fasted regularly, that is the first group, 
one, they performed better at their cognitive, that is thinking and processing tasks. Now hang on right there, I will come back to cognition. Second, this group lost more weight and improved their metabolic profile. That is basically the chemical changes happening to food and its benefits within the body. And thirdly, this regularly fasting group had additional social factors than their counterparts who fasted irregularly or didn't fast at all. Now, generally, the scientists were not too quick to pin these two good to be true results behind improvements to brain function. But come on, the positive results were clearly glaring at them. I will tell you because they stated biologically that they found that the ones that had had a regular fast had lower levels of MDA. Now I will save you the process of what MDA is in full, but I will tell you that it's a chemical marker for oxidative states and eventual cell damage in our bodies, which is a major risk factor for many of the chronic illnesses in our bodies. And it's often said that these oxidative states are actually precursors to cancerous states. So these were found low in this population. Now, also those that regularly fasted again also had higher levels of ketones, which is the byproduct of the body burning fat from its stores as an alternative source of energy when there is none from recently consumed food. And while there, I will sneak in this little one that I want to talk about fasting and brain function during disease processes. Now, I found research done elsewhere showing that ketogenic diets as a crucial anti-epilepsy tool through stimulating the release of high levels of GABA, which is G-A-B-A, which is an inhibitory neurotransmitter. I will talk about neurotransmitters because they are the ones that carry messages along nerves from one nerve to the next. So in this case, this GABA inhibitory neurotransmitter slows down the brain in states of inappropriate excitation, just like the case of epilepsy, right? So I call GABA a spa treatment to the brain. But again, not to worry, I will explain a little more about GABA. So ketogenic diets actually were used as a crucial anti-epilepsy tool in this study. Now, other scientists with research done in Islamic holy month of Ramadan reported that fasting during Ramadan was associated with improvements in stress, anxiety, and symptoms of depression. And lastly, I will share this. Research on animal models shows that intermittent fasting increases their ability, that is the animal's ability, to produce new brain cells, a process we know is called hippocampal neurogenesis, that is making new nerve cells in the brain, which is very key in working memory. Hmm. Here is my question. Could this be the case in humans? Could we actually be repairing working memory through intermittent fasting? Anyways, enough of this science. That might sound like Greek or another foreign language to your ears. But here is what can be applicable to you. Come on, let's enjoy this further. What is fasting? 
It means a state of refraining from eating. That is, any time that you are not eating. So we fast as we sleep, right? Because we're not eating. Often though, we are not fasting when we are awake and are missing out on the benefits because we are continuously eating through the times that we are awake through the day. Now, listen, our bodies were born to heal themselves and have their own ill healing power for mental health. In things like mental block through superseding the cognitive load, something that I've talked about in this space while we were talking brain dumping, that results into resistant, resultant depression, anxiety, to mention but a few. Our bodies are meant to naturally mentally repair. And then here I introduce the neurotransmitters, which are chemical substances produced at nerve ends that transit all information along a nerve. These are found in the gut and feed to the brain. Also, the brain has those that feed directly to the gut. And these particular ones are linked by a major nerve called the vagus nerve. And here we go into the types of fasting. Then I introduce one, intermittent fasting. This is when you have a fasting schedule with a particular regular time that you choose to eat and when not to eat. For example, it could be 10 hours of eating and 12 hours of fasting. Or it could be 8 hours of eating and 16 hours of fasting. That's the commonest. Or it could be 12 hours, 10 hours of eating and 14 hours of fasting. So you choose and be regular with it. The second type is extended fasting. This is when you fast longer than 24 hours and this is only done periodically to enjoy the healthy benefits that come from it. And at this stage, I'll mention the fasting that is used for depression and anxiety. The third one, that is the 24-hour fast. In this fast, stem cells in the intestinal lining repair so as to produce new neurotransmitter GABA the one I talked about, that chemical that I call the natural brain spa, for it relaxes the brain. It inhibits unnecessary excitation. And then these stem cells in the intestinal lining also produce serotonin, facilitate production of serotonin, which is a happy chemical. And then as well, dopamine, which is called the feel-good hormone. Now, I will tell you that a dry fast of 12 to 24 hours increases BDNF. BDNF is a brain-derived neurotrophic factor, a key molecule that is involved in plastic changes that are related to learning and memory through facilitating nerve survival and growth. So your nerves are surviving and growing within the 12 to 24 hour fast. So this then increases serotonin, remember the happy chemical, which is said to be a major player in antidepression. And if you're able to go into the fourth type, which is 48 hour fast, the body is resensitized. All the receptors within to dopamine are resensitized. They have new energy and new love for dopamine. And remember, dopamine is the feel good hormone. Now, at this stage, I must say, a longer fast does not necessarily equal to better results. It's the wisdom of it 
the quality of doing it and the persistence in doing it. And what are the stages that we go through fasting in our bodies? The first is the fed state. This is the time when you immediately stop eating. That is the last bite of food. Now, when you eat, insulin, the hormone that brings glucose to your cells so that your cells use the glucose for energy, is released. Now, a low-carb diet causes less rise in sugar and, of course, in insulin levels. If you're able to go four to eight hours, these blood sugars and insulin levels drop to the S-line, back to the basic where they started. So the body starts to use the stored sugar for energy because there's no more new sugar coming in. And if you take it to 12 hours, a hormone called human growth hormone increases. Growth hormone regulates bone composition, body fluids, muscle, bone growth, hence its name, as well as sugar and fat metabolism within our bodies. Growth hormone levels are generally low when you are in a fed state. Therefore, most people, if not all, have significant amount of growth hormone released when they're sleeping because then you are not feeding, right? And that is why it is often said that babies grow as they sleep. Do we as well? Or do we just need to have a shorter eating window, therefore to fast more and give abundance of increase of growth hormones in our bodies? And if you're able to take it to 16 hours, stored glucose is running out. So the body starts to look from fat stores to, so as to produce energy and ketones in the process. So fat is being utilized because there's no more glucose. And listen to this, ketones lead to stable blood sugar and its control. Why? Because the sugar, there's no more new sugar coming in. Two, ketones reverse insulin resistance because again, insulin is controlled and it's not in excess. Ketones reduce inflammation and I've often said inflammation is a precursor to cell damage and disease processes within our bodies. Ketones increase mental clarity because in the process of increasing you increase endurance performance during exertion and of course weight loss which comes with all the benefits that we spoke about in the last episode and if you're able to push 16 to 20 hours we enter into what we call autophagy autophagy begins where cellular processes of the body starts to clean out all damaged cells and regenerate new ones. This is the process that I earlier said is called a chemical marker MDA that causes oxidative states that damage cells and cause diseases, even things like cancer. So autophagy is a trigger, is triggered when insulin is low and glucagon is high, as is the case when we are fasted. So if you're able to go to 36 hours of autophagy, the process of cleaning out dead cells really peaks to 300% max. 
This enables recycle and repair of all worn out cells. And listen to this, you have accelerated healing, you have disease prevention, you have increased longevity by reversing aging. So your body is literally producing new anti-aging tools naturally. And if you get to 48 hours, growth hormone, the one I told you enables regulation of fluid, fat, glucose control, and all these muscle and bone systems in the body, growth hormone picks up to 500% at the 48-hour mark of fasting. Note that all cells at this time are maximally insulin sensitive. This is so exciting. And this sensitivity peaks towards 56 to 72 hours. That means all your cells are aware of any spike of insulin and they will do exactly what they need to do when you next eat. Now is the ideal time to end the prolonged fast. This is at three days. People, my people, do you know that Esther, Queen Esther in the Bible, did exactly this fast before she conquered over salvation for her tribe? Now, I want to hear the people that think science and Christianity do not mix because I think our Bible, the good book, is full of science and I love it. Now, remember, it is said that fasting is the first principle of medicine. So I want you to fast with this wisdom and see the strength of the spirit reveal itself in your body, leading you to health. No wonder the great physician Paracelsus said, fasting is the greatest remedy and the physician within. Now I'm so proud, proud to be the one that is bringing you these revelations and enabling you to empower your body to heal, to recover and to come out of illness through holistic health and healing. Your host, Dr. Lillian Kalisa, I'm here to cheer you on. Let's see what this fasting is going to do to our bodies. And if we take through the processes of clean out, we will be irrecognizable at the end of it all. You take care of yourself. I'll see you next one as we dig more into clean out. Bye-bye.